Welcome back to .NET Rocks. Ain't it awesome? It is awesome. <laughs> I know what it is, but it's awesome. Whatever's No, you know what's awesome is a nice, crisp blanket of snow uh, outside in the woods. Oh, yeah. While we're recording this, you guys get a nor'easter, I believe. I don't know if it was a nor'easter. Maybe it was a nor'easter junior, but it, <laughs> it's just gentle snow right now. Maybe I slept oh, nice. through the blizzard part of it, but... Uh, yeah. I mean, it was just dumping rain here. If it had been a bit colder, it would have been a big pile of snow, but it, you know, it wasn't. So it was yep. rain, lots of rain. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, let's get started today with, uh, it's going to be a great show. Um, I can't wait, but, uh, we have a little business first called Better Know a Framework. Awesome. <laughs> All right, man, what do you got? So, uh, this being 1727, if you go to 1727.pwop.me, you will see Python Jupyter Notebooks in Excel. Embed Jupyter, that's J-U-P-Y-T-E-R, mm-hmm. into Microsoft Excel and write Python instead of VBA. Because Awesome. Bring it. Because, yes. Well, you, but, look, I mean, VBA's been in... Uh, office for a long time, right? It's the old Visual Basic from like the 90s. Visual Basic for applications. That's right. Yeah. And, and it's we, not and VBNet we, for applications. No, it's, it's the VBA. old VB. Yeah. And so we kept waiting for what's the new scripting language you'll be in? I thought for a long time it was going to be JavaScript. Yeah. Thank God. Right? But the idea, if they jump to embedding Jupyter Notebooks, then it can be any freaking language you want, man. Like it yep. doesn't matter. Yep. Why should it matter? That's the modern answer. Absolutely. Genius. Brilliant. Awesome. So it's a package called PyXLL-Jupyter. And uh, it, there's an article that goes along with it. And it's pretty easy to, to get started if you're, if you're a Python head. Then uh, you should find it pretty easy. And I'm not so sure, you know, if uh, Grandma Franklin doing her taxes is going to use this. But, uh, you know, the, a lot of us geeky folk... We have Excel spreadsheets for numerous reasons. And um, if you like Python, it's your lucky day. So, <laughs> But also, I mean, just the way notebooks keep stuff organized and yeah. and the strength of Python to extract data. So yes. if you want to pull some data into load to Excel, which is like what a lot of people do with Excel. We haven't even really talked about Jupyter too much on .NET Rocks. No, and it's starting to show up everywhere. And it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know who's a big fan is uh, Joel Heelan. Yeah, I Jupiter notebooks. All right. Yeah. Well, that's what I got today. Who's talking to us, Richard? Super cool, dude. I like that a lot. Sure. And, and I and I hope it it's it becomes an approach that the office team takes as a whole. I agree. Really replace it. Yeah, it's I agree. A, it, it is a very modern way to think about scripting for sure. Yep. Yep. Hey, I grabbed a comment off of show nine fifty three. What? We didn't even do that show. <laughs> that was someone else. <laughs> Nine fifty three, which is almost like seven years to the day that this show comes out. Okay, it was from February of twenty fourteen. So the last time we had Hilton on the show, wow, we only had three digit shows. <laughs> wow. <Okay. laughs> uh, which man, I'm here. I was just waiting for the invite. You never call, you never write. <laughs> and we were talking about enterprise SharePoint, which is really cool because I think we're going to talk about very enterprise approaches to teams too. 
So, it, it all kind of ties together with me. And so, I'm dragging out a comment that's seven years old, but I thought was particularly relevant. This is from Casey Collins, who goes, hey guys, great show. As soon as I saw the show on my iPhone, because there was iPhones back in 2014, <laughs> uh, I listened to it immediately. <laughs> my company is a SharePoint for almost everything. We recently moved our company intranet to a complete SharePoint solution, but from my perspective, it was a square peg in a round hole because of the scope of the project. I guess that will happen when you want your SharePoint to be Facebook, because there was Facebook <laughs> back in 2014 as well. Never heard of it. I look forward to seeing more shows like this. Uh, sorry. I don't think we did that many other shows <laughs> seven years later. Like, uh, I'd like to hear more about developing for SharePoint, because some of us have to do this. It's like, well, yeah. it's been seven years, Casey. I know we did a few SharePoint shows, but not that many. Right. But we're going to talk about this kind of development, this how does my company intranet work together? What does collaboration look like in the 21st century with four-digit.NET Rocks episodes uh, right about now? Mm-hmm. So, Casey, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Code By is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code By, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on the Facebooks. It's like SharePoint, only different. <laughs> uh, and we publish every show there. And if we comment there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code by. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet in Python, please. Python, Jupiter, Jupiter Notebooks. <laughs> Pip tweet. All, all the hip tweets are doing. When I get a tweet from these guys, I smell beard oil. Okay. Nice. That's what's going on. Uh, Hilton, uh, we gotta get Hilton Gisino back, uh, on the show. Of course, that's the, the other guy laughing there. But let me read his bio for you. It's a quick one. Deeply passionate about the Microsoft Teams development community. Hilton Gisino is a leading user under the Teams tag on sites like Stack Overflow. Also a regular contributor to multiple open source projects and a frequent presenter on Teams topics. He's also founder of chitchatter.com, that's C-H-I-T-C-H-A-T-T-R.com, a startup building apps to make using teams more effective, more functional, and more productive. Welcome back, Hilton. Well, thanks. Thanks, Colin. Richard. Great yeah. to be here. Um, I just wanted to say we're talking about, you know, going back a few years. I was thinking as we were um, sort of putting the show together and giving some thoughts to it that, um, you know, I, I started my career like probably not long before you started the show. Um, I can firmly say going back that um, I think the greatest influence on my career over 17 years has been .NET Rocks. Wow, wow. So, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to you guys, and it's a great, great privilege to be on the show and be part of that amazing, amazing thing that you've uh, that you've put together. So, thank you for me and, and uh, maybe on behalf of the listening audience, too. Wow. I think the other five guys would be really impressed that, listen. <laughs> <laughs> you mean all the ex-Colin uh, Gary's? Yeah, I guess. Uh, uh, I guess they're still visited. hanging on, you know. The, the, <laughs> the BB homepage. They keep wanting to go back to that page, but no, it's not. Well, um, it's really cool to, to hear stories like that because it just goes to show you that if you're engaged in your profession, you know, as a software developer, and you just want to listen to other people complain about their experiences and talk about their successes, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the show, if you're paying attention, like you can, and you can learn a lot that directly affects your career from shows like this. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I certainly have over you know seventeen years of a wide range of topics. So yeah, yeah again, thank, thank you and uh, great privilege to be on and, and hopefully share some useful things with the listeners from That's my side time. today. You know that seventeen years as a developer that makes you you know I'm not going to say a gray beard necessarily, but just like you've been doing this a long time and you call yourself a Teams developer. Is there such a thing? Yes, please enlighten us. Well, you know, I mean, you can define Teams development in various ways. I mean, the, the easiest way to just say it is it's effectively a recovering SharePoint developer. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, I'm being a bit unkind. We'll back well, you think, we, back we, we think about bit. some of the twists and turns that SharePoint developers went through over the years, right? Oh, it, my goodness. It yeah. seemed like the SharePoint team needed to invent their own kind of development repeatedly. <laughs> Indeed. All I know about SharePoint, besides using it for various things when I had to, is that the people that taught SharePoint classes and did SharePoint consulting made a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I'm not so sure indeed. they slept well at night. I don't know about you, Richard. But <laughs> No, so um, you know, I talk about being recovering. Now, we we still do uh, we still do um, SharePoint um, work with clients, consulting and and development and whatnot. I mean, these days, pretty much everybody in that game has become, you know, more more widely an Office three six five developer and consultant right. and so on. Because you know, we would have let's say built an intranet in SharePoint, but then you know, you would have had a form that was built in SharePoint with a workflow that was built in SharePoint. You know, those kind of things are peeled off into the the Power Family, for example, yeah. Power Apps and Power Automate and whatnot. But um, you know, so we've all had to pick those things up. But yeah, Sean, SharePoint's still um, visibly alive and kicking in many ways and, uh, you know, still an amazing product. I mean, it's it's uh, commercially, obviously, for Microsoft, been tremendous. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, continues to be a huge uh, value-adding tool in, you know, in a lot of companies. Bef- before um, we get into… We, you know, we still hold customers with that. Yeah, before we get into Teams too much, I w- I'd like to hear a little bit of history of Teams, if you know it. Um, because, you know, for me, it just sort of came out of nowhere, Microsoft Teams. Oh, wow, what's that? But, but you know, like many things Microsoft, it started off as one thing and got renamed and rebranded and tweaked and updated, and, and it's Teams. So, where did it come from? <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. I mean, Richard, you're you're probably uh, you're much more widely uh, knowledgeable than than I am, certainly. Uh, you know, and, and uh, writing the .NET book and and so on. You might have some some views. I can't really speak too much to where it came from, but um, uh, you know, my, my suspicion is it was really largely a uh, a way to address the. Uh, influence that 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 Slack was, um, you know, or the you know, a, a compete against Slack in right. some ways. You're, if you want yeah, to say you're that saying way. this very politely, Hilton, because <laughs> the, the the direct version of this is in, uh, you know, Microsoft has bought other chat products, and they've had a ton of different communication products, like when they acquired Skype, and then they built their own that they initially called Link, and then they called it Skype for Business, but it wasn't Skype, and it was mm-hmm. bad for your business. <laughs> uh, and then in 2016. Uh, you know, they, Microsoft was talking to Slack about acquiring them, right? Like they were, they were dead. They were going to buy Slack and it made perfect sense to buy Slack, Mm. right? For them. And, you know, interesting. Now Slack, I think is owned by Oracle. So, you know, I, I don't know if they're happier there or however that went, but you know, there's some discussion as to whether that was a real offer. They, you know, actually. Uh, went the way it was supposed to go, but ultimately, Teams is actually a clean slate product. But they 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 wrote their own 
version. So it's and, not, uh, I thought it was a repurposed Skype for business. It's not. It isn't. It's separate. <laughs> They're actually trying to get S4P people to move over to Teams. I mean, and if yeah. you're confused about the communication products from Microsoft, then you're clearly paying attention <laughs> because <laughs> it's, it's a mess. It it's is. just a well, you know, crazy mess. You remember when uh, there was a time when I had seven different things in my life all called OneDrive. Oh, yeah. There's not an irony in the name there. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So, incidentally, I, I just double-checked. Um, it's uh, Salesforce who bought Slack. Oh, it's Salesforce who bought Slack, not Oracle. Mm. So, yeah, right. And speaking mm. of You're OneDrive, right. that's going to play into my story of aggravation next week. <laughs> you bet. Don't you don't you worry. <laughs> We're gonna go there. What a surprise. <laughs> and so they've said they want to phase out Skype for business in favor of Teams. But Well, so so Microsoft, you know, has certainly made that a big part of the marketing story. And it's something I actually wanted to touch on with you with you gentlemen anyway tonight. Because, you know, certainly I think as we said, Teams was, you know, in, in many ways a direct competitor to Slack, but Despite that, Microsoft's marketing, which, you know, I can, I can understand and, and I, I don't suppose I would have done it any differently, but they're in some ways they were a victim of their own success with the team's marketing. You know, they needed to explain to companies why they had this new tool and what the future was. Mm -hmm. So, that, you know, you, you, you'll remember Teams was very much sold as the, the new modern Sky for Business, the Sky for Business alternative, you know, the, the replacement mm -hmm. right. front and yeah. center. Um, and they were successful at that. You know, a lot of companies, you know, dropped their Skype for business or, or, you know, be, began their migration projects and whatnot. The companies that were in Office 365 already, um, which, which was great in one, in, on, on, you know, on the one hand, in terms of getting people moved over as quickly as possible. I and mean, who wants to be managing, you know, multiple products that do the same thing? At the same time, it was a, a, a little bit of a detriment to Microsoft because as much as Teams became understood as the Skype for business replacement, it also became understood as a Skype for business replacement, i.e. communication, voice, video, and an IM chat, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, it certainly, it certainly was and, and continues to be. But a lot of companies still only see it that way. And that's the, uh, that's the sad thing. That's the, you know, Microsoft's marketing mission, I guess, these days is to try and help people understand that more than just communication, it is also um, significantly a collaboration and productivity platform as well. Right. And Richard, you interviewed um, Stephen Rose, uh, uh, um, you know, mutual friend of both of us. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was, uh, you know, just a, a couple of months ago. Um, and he was talking about exactly that. You know, they're trying to encourage people to move out of that mindset to continue using Teams, but move out of the mindset of purely a communication tool um, and, and see it for, the, you know, the greater tool that it is altogether. Yeah. And it, I think it's part of the problem is that, that Teams is kind of a metaphor buster. And it's fact that it crosses mm -hmm. a lot of these mm -hmm. different things. And so, you know, we as engineers tend to want to put it in a narrow package. It's like, oh, it's just for communicating, right? For mm -hmm. and particularly voice or, you know, voice with a whiteboard, like that kind of thing. And it's not just that. It's, you know, the problem is you can't sell it for what it should be, which is it should be the first app you look at in the morning. Mm-hmm. Instead mm -hmm. of Outlook, mm -hmm. right? Like that, yeah, they, I'm always in the, still pulling up the Alan Cooper mindset of what's the sovereign app? Like what's the app that absolutely. gets screen space? Absolutely. So that term is, is one that I got from you somewhere in the dark history of, of <laughs> from on, on a show. Um, and, and it very much speaks to exactly that. You know, the, the, uh, the idea there, I guess, if, you know, if one of us is to, um, you know, kind of put it in a nutshell is it's, it's the app that's running all the time that is where you do your work. Outlook was, you know, in some ways aiming in that and, and it, 
there's always been the app that's running all the time, but it never became the place where you do everything. You know, I tried it with some of the dashboarding things and so on, but it never had the capabilities, it never had the mindset, and it never had the, you know, the app model, the extensibility model, et cetera, et cetera, to really want, although it was running all the time, for people to really want to do everything in there. And that's very much what, what Teams is aimed at. Outlook had an extensibility model. It was designed to crash Outlook repeatedly. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Outlook had sovereignty for two reasons. Well, three, really. It has your contacts. It has your calendar and it has your email. And it's tied up all the threads on your desktop. Yes. And it has yeah, uh, 85 yeah. threads in use. <laughs> Not none of them one are for you. For you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, it was always just missing Jupyter Notebooks, yeah. but, you know, that, that, that goes without but saying. But I think part of it is that, A, uh, we're abusing email. Like, we've learned now that you just can't funnel. There's kinds of conversations that don't flow well through email. Right. They're, they're, mm -hmm. they're bad. Like, it's not an effective strategy of communicating. It's not that all email's bad, but that you, you reach a certain threshold of email where all you're doing is managing email rules and, you know, well, trying to stay Well, there's the problem. You're not, you zero. shouldn't be managing them. It should just work. Yeah. You shouldn't have yeah, to manage email. That's what I think. I think email is for communication. And as long as you can find what you want to find when you need to find it, you don't, I, I, people go crazy making folders it's just and a, stuff. It's just a question of how for certain – there's not only one kind of communication. It's not – right. it's effective. It's some kinds of communication. Yeah, yeah you're right. But we try and use it for all. Yep. And yeah, exactly. And toxified exactly. email. Yep. So Teams gives us the, uh, you know, it gives us the chat and the voice and the video and the screen share and all of that kind of stuff in one. But again, that's still very much in the, in the, if you want to call it that, the communication pillar, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if, if you don't mind, let's maybe sort of spin to what collaboration means. At least, you know, this is Hilton's view. Okay. <laughs> don't take it as a, as a, as a gospel, but, um, uh, talking about kind of collaboration and productivity and what that means in Teams, because I think this is, squarely getting us into the idea of apps and what we want to talk about um, on the show a little bit in terms of development is understanding where the, the scope is for apps, I guess. Um, and then we can maybe talk about the different kinds you can build for teams and whatnot. So, you know, again, we're talking very much communication. So voice and video, uh, you know, are pretty easy to understand. Uh, but even I am, you know, Teams gives you that, that chat capability. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've, you've, you know, even if you're not a regular Teams user, you, you've certainly seen that. But that chat, when I'm talking chat, a lot of people are still seeing it as a one to one kind of IM tool. You know, we, we do some, as I mentioned, some consulting in the office resource space with customers and, you know, we help them look at the amazing analytics that Microsoft provides now and so on. And we certainly see, you know, particularly over the, over the, uh, you know, the last year in pandemic and whatnot, um, you know, everybody's gotten into Teams. I mean, no matter what, you know, you buy, no matter what the CEXO says, et cetera, et cetera, there's no doubt that the greatest Teams adoption tool possible was COVID-19, <laughs> you know, for better or worse. Um, but again, we look at those analytics and what we see is voice, video, and one-to-one -one IM chat. Uh, Teams introduces the Microsoft's version of an idea called working out loud, um, which is really the, the, what, what we're trying to encourage in that sort of mindset, which is that, that sort of family of tools, the slacks and the, the Facebook workplace and, and so on. Mm -hmm. Is the idea that instead of, uh, you know, you, let's say, you know, we're all in the engineering team. If, if Carl's got a question and he wants to ask Richard, you know, he might email or uh, call or IM Richard one to one. But the problem is by doing that, 
you've locked that com- communication into a com- into a into a silo effectively yeah. where only the two of you have it visible if we move that communication into a public forum then all of us know what's going on and if uh, you know Carl's not there tomorrow or Rich is not there tomorrow or you know whatever it is one one takes leave or, or god forbid as we've seen in this last year there, there are more permanent things shall we say mm-hmm. um, you know then that conversation becomes visible and everybody knows what's going on and everybody's got the, the history so there we're getting more into collaboration rather than you know just pure communication but it, encur- it, it, it requires people to move their conversations into the teams part of teams you notice the name there yeah. see what I did ah, <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you the thing that got me bought into teams like where I went okay now I get it was one of those it was uh, an email with like three twos and four cc's asking a question mm-hmm. and and you know what's going to happen now like for my honor reaction when i look at that it's like well somebody else is going to answer this right like am i on the two line or the cc line like who's what's the level of responsibility here and you're just kind of waiting is something going to happen but in this case Absolutely. one of the person on the two line flipped it into teams like there's a button to push it that exact mm-hmm. email as a chat in Teams with everybody that was on that email in the chat. Right. And so now yeah. you don't have to you – know, the, the, the other thing that could, w- was happening was two or three people were writing long explanations of the answer and duplicating work. But now we were all in a mm-hmm. chat, so you could see who was typing. And so we all added information to that. It actually was a shorter, more efficient answer – that show that came sooner and was with better engagement. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, now attach a file or throw in a file attachment to that scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, Word doc, and uh, you know that's where it balloons out of control. Now it's versionitis, as, right. uh, as Sue Hanley <laughs> says. Um, you know, so I mean, there's a great, a great video on that called uh, "Email Trees" or something like that from a few years ago that we used to send around. But uh, it's exactly that. You know, now everybody's trying to collate copies and so on. So, so Teams lets you do exactly that kind of capability. But incidentally, I think. Personally, what I find Teams significantly better than Slack is not just the communication around that, but the way that it uh, surfaces other capabilities into that communication at the same time. So, you know, Slack, Slack lets you do that kind of chat, for example, but the tabs capability in Teams is a, is a real game changer. Because you and I are, or, you know, the three of us are having that chat, whatever it is, immediately we get a files tab and, and guess who's there? Our old friend SharePoint yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and OneDrive and, and whatnot behind the scenes. But, you know, auto- automatically, simply by having that chat, we automatically get a place that we can share uh, content um, immediately. And more than that, those tabs are extensible. So I'm sure you've uh, probably, you know, seen screenshots or videos or presentations or whatever it is where we can add a number of Microsoft capabilities immediately into there. So we can, you know, if we're on an engineering team and we're building, you know, widget version 27, you know, we can immediately put our planner plan inside there. We can, um, we can pin an Excel spreadsheet of some sort. You know, the bug list can be pinned as a tab, et cetera, et cetera. So that's where we sort of unlock the collaboration and, and then certainly getting into the productivity space around teams. Which is, uh, you know, a very unique space. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, again, it has the important things. It has the contact list and it has the calendar, mm-hmm. you know, and then it has the ability to message. Like those seem to be the key bits. But I love, that, you know, your point about file management is huge because you don't have the versioning problems. It's already, it's automatically backed up. Like you can't use your inbox as file storage anymore. Like it's, it's not a good idea. This is a better way to do those things. 
Totally, totally, totally. And, you know, external sharing and whatnot. Um, and it's bringing SharePoint, OneDrive, all of them together. Yeah. And which I would argue is the one place where Teams falls down. It is when you're inside a company in Teams, it's amazing. When you start to bring in external people, it's a struggle. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, we, we're getting into philosophy in some ways with the companies. Yes. Um, you know, Microsoft will never be as good in consumer, in, in my opinion, as, you know, as the Googles will be. Uh, I'm sure I'll get some, some black helicopters arriving for saying that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, absolutely. Oh, no. If everybody has an E5, you're golden, right? And are all part of the same <laughs> exactly. domain. But as soon as <laughs> the identity problem at Microsoft is a hard, hard problem. And we're all MVPs, like, and we've got it worse. I don't know yeah. how many identities I have floating around inside of the Microsoft system. Hey, guys, I'd like to apologize yeah. right now for the snow plow in the background that is plowing <laughs> my driveway. <laughs> oh, I thought that was the helicopters arriving on my side. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. You, you were just making up the helicopter thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in a, in a nutshell, yeah, very much. I think Teams, you know, takes the communication capability of, of Outlook, um, extends hugely the, the collaboration capability and then brings all the productivity tools in there. You know, so we, um, you know, if, if, if we're, uh, you know, need an expense claim form and we build it in Power Apps, we just stick that straight into the finance teams, you know, team area. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a differentiation between something called teams versus a channel and whatnot that we can chat about a bit, but effectively into that team. So, yeah, very much in the name there. And yeah, and so that, I guess that's the interesting bit about this is the programming model that opens up to extend this stuff. I just hope it's better than the SharePoint dev experience. Well, the, the good news is it absolutely is. <laughs> so that's that. Yeah. They haven't invented any significantly tremendous new technologies to try and make this okay. all work. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so what's the stack? How does one go about building Teams add ins? Well, so that's a great question. In order to understand that, though, it's it's worthwhile spending a little bit of time just talking about the different kinds of extensibility points that there are in Teams because right. the technology can vary depending on what you're trying to build. So we've spoken about a tab, for example. Um, I'm sure it's not news to anybody that you can build a bot inside of Teams as well. Right. Um, and there's a few other bits and pieces we can chat about. But the way that you build a tab, which is effectively nothing other than a web page I framed into Teams. Um, you know, the, you're, you're effectively just building a web app. And so, you know, any web technology that you're comfortable with, you know, if you're a Node.js or an ASP.NET or a, you know, heaven forbid a Python, etc. developer, mm -hmm. you can instantly become a Teams tab developer. Right. <laughs> well, trying to be friendly there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, effectively just, just uh, you know, just pure web development. So, I mean, Blazor's, um, you know, I know a big passion of yours, Colin, something that I've been on my to-do list for a long time to look into. Um, but, uh, you know, to my knowledge, Blazor is, is, is certainly becoming something that you can work in in Teams, for example. Um, it's the way that web is nice. done in my house. I'll, I'll bet. And I'm uh, spending, um, I, I'm a, a poor but developing React developer. And um, oh, nice. I'm, I'm thinking of switching to Blazor. <laughs> I don't even know much about it. I'm sure it's better than React. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so effectively, you know, if you're building a tab, you're, you're, you're building it in a web technology. And there's a few other places where web pops up as well. Um, but you know, that's, that's where there's, I guess, more visible UI in, in terms of what you're building. 
if you're building a bot, so, um, you know, there's some kind of interaction, that, a chat interaction that, that makes sense to what you're trying to build. Um, then you're, then you're looking to use one of the bot, uh, bot stack, mm-hmm. uh, technologies effectively. Now to that end, Microsoft has a tremendous toolkit called the bot framework. I don't know if that's something oh, yeah. that you, you might have encountered. Yeah, I've tried it. Um, it and it's, uh, you know, if, if you've hit it not outside of Teams, you know, it's, it's really a generalized framework. That's probably where you ran into it. It's Microsoft stack for building bots. Yep. So if you're building a Facebook bot or a Slack bot or a, you know, web bot or anything like that, it's, it's all using that same stack. Nice. It's really good for um, just the whole parsing real language, finding the nouns and verbs and translating those into actions. It's uh, pretty, pretty cool. Well, we did a show with Phil Hack last week talking about chat ops as this idea of Mm -hmm. using Mm -hmm. bots uh as part of your ci cd pipeline it's sort of the 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 part of automating development bot ops bot ops (laughs) 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 but i i mean i I don't want to focus this on the dev side of our own devs workflows it's interesting to think about chat bots for regular line workers working in teams too that are not fac bots most for the most part right like sure it, it seems like that it's when most time when i see bots running around they they're fact bots it's like you could have asked you could have just looked down the list of answers to questions and instead you get to type the question out and then it mm. spits it out mm-hmm. for you mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, look, interestingly enough, there's a lot of technologies behind the scenes that are, that are important to understand when you get into the bots. I mean, we spoke about bot framework. Um, but you know, but at the end of the day, really, as much as a tab is just a web, uh, you know, a spa effectively mm-hmm. just iframed in, a bot is basically just a web API. It's just something that receives a post request with a JSON payload, nice. like absolute pure nuts and bolts. So, I mean, you, you know, there, there are folks building bots in PowerShell and, and whatnot. Um, you know, if one, if one really feels, you know, like, uh, like, uh, enduring the pain of that. Um, but, at the end of the day, that just receives a message. What it does with that message and how it understands the message, exactly what you were talking about, Carl, and how it responds to that and where it does its AI lookup and so on is, is getting into the world of, of um, natural language understanding, natural language parsing and so on. So Microsoft provides additional tools that you kind of pretty much need to have some understanding of in order to work with this. So most common of which is something called LUIS, the Language Understanding Services, part of the Microsoft AI um, stack in Azure. And the purpose there is to understand what the user's intent is so that your bot doesn't become five lines of functionality and 300 lines of if the user said hello or hello comma or hello comma call, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's trying to use AI to infer that this is, you know, the user requesting service X versus Y, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. The actual bot stuff is pretty trivial. I mean, it's sending messages, right? But it's the, it's the what, you know, how do you understand what the user's trying to uh, do and say that, becomes the real challenge of bot programming and lewis l-u-i-s as you said is is microsoft's way to do that yeah and that's lewis.ai just uh, incidentally for the for the listeners who want to want to look into that absolutely and guys i'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message you know since the pandemic most of us are cooking and eating at home we don't frequent restaurants like we used to but we do have to shop for food which can put us at risk one solution is to subscribe to a meal kit delivery service like Every Plate. You might think it's more expensive to have fresh ingredients shipped to your door, but Every Plate dinners are cheaper than takeout and way cheaper than delivery. In fact, one Every Plate meal costs about the same as a latte. 
And we're talking fresh ingredients, meats, vegetables, herbs, spices, everything you need to cook a delicious meal with no wasted food in about 30 minutes. That's less time than it takes to shop and cook, to call for takeout, or have a pizza delivered. That's why I subscribe to Every Plate. And now you can get three weeks of Every Plate meals delivered to your door for just $2.99 a meal. That's three weeks of meals for $2.99 per meal. Go to everyplate.com and enter the code .NET3. That's everyplate.com and enter the code D-O-T-N-E-T-3. Have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy application experience for your customers? With Raygun Application Performance Monitoring, you've got all the information you need right at your fingertips to find and fix errors and performance problems across your tech stack down to the line of code. Raygun makes it easy to monitor the impact of your performance improvements, quickly identify and resolve issues, and see how your code performs in the hands of your customers, saving you time, money, and sanity. Visit Raygun.com and join thousands of customer-centric software teams who use Raygun every day to deliver flawless experiences for their customers. That's Raygun.com to get started on your free 14-day trial. And we're back. It's .NET Rocks. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Carl Franklin. Hey, yo. And that's Hilton Gizano, who's uh, talking a little bit about what we can do in Teams for extensions. And and I I mean we could spend do a whole show on bots, but there's other things too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so well, <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, let, let me t- sort of run you through the different types of the, the main extensibility points, I guess that you know that that are in Teams. We've spoken about tabs and and bots already, but there are a few others that are that are quite useful to understand. There is a concept of of webhooks in Teams as well, both incoming and outgoing. So in a in a particular channel, I can configure um, you know a webhook and incoming webhook there, and it basically just gives me a unique URL, and then I can send a message to that. Uh, to that channel from anything, anything that can make a you know a simple web uh, web post. Mm-hmm. So that becomes a, an extensibility point. There's also something called connectors, which kind of takes a similar route to that, a route route, depending on how you say it. Um, but there's also something called a message extension, for example. Mm-hmm. So these are um, things that, that that are that are pretty well known in the demos, where you know I can be typing a message to somebody, and and um, instead of just giving them a link to the page in Wikipedia, um, you know I can I can insert a little snippet from Wikipedia directly into the message, or you know there's a financial share codes and all of those kind of demos that I'm sure many people have seen. Mm-hmm. Those. Uh, capabilities of inserting a richer version of the message, for example, is something called a um, a message extension. And there are actually three types of those. Um, there's the command bar in the top in Teams, where we can where we can put commands in. So um, we can we can basically invoke commands Teams wide using that, um, and then we can insert actions into the actual individual messages. So that's another form of extensibility. All three of those, for 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 whatever reason, are all called message extensions. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it oh gets a little confusing. God. In fact, to make it even worse, the ones in the bottom, like where I was talking with the Wikipedia, the actual text in- input box, because that's where you compose the message, message extensions used to be called um, compose, uh, I think it was compose extensions. So in the in the manifest files and so on, they still, even though you're building a message extension, for some reason you have to put it in this thing called a compose extension. So it gets a little confusing, but it's not uh, it's not too bad, but it, but it can be a bit confusing at times. 
Now, interestingly enough, those compose extensions, the message extensions, and the outgoing webhooks actually all pretty much, I mean, there's certain ways to do it slightly differently, but pretty much all of those actually take the form of bots behind the scenes. So bots are far more relevant than they, oh, wow. uh, you know, than they might have seen at first. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So if, so if you're, let's say, building a, you know, a compose extension, for example, it will, it will live inside of your bot endpoint. All right. So it's always there whether you're using the natural language interface pieces or not. This is sort of mm -hmm. the, the exactly. Is it really a template? Are there templates? Like, what's Northwinds for Teams? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I hadn't thought about it in that way, but that, <laughs> that takes me back a bit. This is like a real history show. <laughs> <laughs> Ancient history of Microsoft Teams. Yeah. Um, yes, I mean that's that's obviously a great uh, a great question, and um, there are tremendous starting points. Um, it's it's certainly worth calling out some of those. I mean, we're talking about Bot Framework, for example. Mm -hmm. If you head over to dev.botframework.com, you know that's Microsoft's starting point. The only confusing thing in the team space, I think, in in terms of understanding the Bot Framework, is that this is the generic Bot Framework, the, or the general Bot Framework from Microsoft. So this is the same tool, you know, it's that that should you be using to build a Slack bot for example, which is great on the one hand, but if all you're building is something for teams, you know, it can be a little confusing. Some of the samples and whatnot, you know, aren't necessarily relevant to what you're building. But certainly in terms of getting getting some understanding on bots, that's a, that's a great place to start. Awesome. Um, the teams, you know, if you're focusing on teams, I'll, I'll give you a link. It's a little long to read out, but there's a great place to uh, to start in terms of general teams development. The Microsoft docs are are fantastic and give a give a great starting point on all of the kind of capabilities that I've spoken and obviously a whole bunch of other you know important bits and pieces as well. Um, and then just purely in in you know in the in the team space, there's a there's a tremendous patterns and practices um, library that's building up of of team specific samples. The bot framework team themselves have a huge bot. Uh, 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 sample library, what they call the bot builder samples. All of those, by the way, are well, pretty much all of those um, are, are in um, uh, multiple languages. So anything in the bot framework, you'd be finding in uh, .NET, Node, Python, and Java. So wow. you know, if one of those is your language of choice, wow. that's, a, that's a great place to get started. Well, and it just speaks to kind of lang language agnostic. You can you can do it the way you want to do it. Absolutely, absolutely. Again, go back to the SharePoint days of you know you have to deploy this thing on the server. It has to be written in .NET. Mm -hmm. And by the way, every time you deploy an update to your app, you need to do a full IIS reset of the entire farm. So, yeah. yes, no, we've, we've come a long way. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> do you, is there anything, and this might be out of left field, but is there anything in Teams that um, allows you to do the kind of um, uh, composite video stuff? Like if you want to share your screen, but you have a, a webcam, right? And you want to put your webcam in the corner, um, of your screen while you're sharing it. Does it have any of those kind of cool features? So there are some cool things. I mean, one of the, one of the uh, very interesting capabilities just released was the ability to um, control the presenter mode if you're presenting in PowerPoint directly through Teams. So you can, you can basically have a presenter mode, which you wouldn't have had with, with a native capability. But, you, know, you could always just share your screen and, and, and control that yourself if you had two monitors and whatnot. Um, so there is some capability, but it's, you know, it's nowhere near what you'd get with a, you know, the likes of an OBS or something sure. like that. Um, but bear in mind, 
find, you know, Teams just simply services whatever you, you, you tell it. So if you, if you really want that kind of control, you can simply, um, you know, create an OBS virtual cam, or, you know, in, in that way. I'm not super familiar with the, with that, uh, that stack, but that my understanding is you could, you could basically do that in something like the OBS studio and, and simply have Teams share that as your, as your content. Yeah, I figured that's what it was. I'm looking through, like, we've really been talking on the bot side of development, but there's also the whole office side of development for Microsoft Teams. Like, a, mm-hmm. there's a ton of bot samples, but there's also like messaging extensions and different webhooks. And I, I mean, a real yeah. question I have is like, is the thing you're thinking about, does it already exist or is it three quarters of the way there? You can download it and just make the extensions you're going to need to with all of these app templates. Yeah, absolutely. So that's another great uh, uh, link to throw out mm-hmm. there as well. I mean, all the stuff I've been showing is really conceptual, you know, the docs and whatever to get started and then pure samples to kind of teach you how you might want to do what you want to do. Right. One of the great resources that Microsoft has, aside from just the samples and docs and whatever to help you build what you might be wanting to conceive is this huge and, and, f- very fast growing resource of something called the app templates for Microsoft Teams. Mm. Now this started, I don't know, I can't remember exactly when, probably 18 to 24 months ago, something like that. And there were five or six apps you could get you, which were full, uh, complete running applications with guidance on how to, I mean, they're all open source on GitHub and whatnot. So you can download and, and customize, or, you know, run the app as is or customize it as you see fit. But aside from that, full details on how to actually provision these apps yourself. So, you know, you, if they're running in whatever technology it needs in Azure, Azure Functions or Azure Web App or whatever it is, there's detailed instructions on how to get each one of these up and running. Mm-hmm. But over the, 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 the intervening time between then and now, I mean, I can't even count them anymore. Those five or six apps have grown into, Dozens. you know, I don't know, 30 or 40 yeah, easily dozens of apps here of all kinds of things. So, you know, if I just read a few odd ones, there's an employee training app and a goal tracker and an icebreaker and HR support, incident reporter, just tons of stuff. Like absolutely just, you know, simple, uh, not simple, absolutely just tremendous starting points to kind of go ahead and, and you know, use something straight off, off, off the bat that's been, you know, built by another team, but completely freely available. Mm. Now, when I say free, by the way, I mean, there's a little asterisk associated with sure. that. <laughs> the, the code is open source. The the, um, the the samples themselves are completely free, but you do need to host them in Azure. So, you know, some of these things will um, suggest that you host them in uh, according to the, you know, the defaults that they provide you, which, for example, might be an Azure web app of certain size and, and whatnot. Mm. So, you know, you might be paying uh, – a lot of them will have a cost estimate, but the one, for example, you know, the com- company communicated, it's totally free to download, but they suggest – um, a, a hosting infrastructure which would cost you something in the order of $70 a month, for example. Right. Now, you can scale that up and, you know, you might decide to rebuild some of that in, in a different format, something like that. Again, it is open source, but um, just be aware, you know, there, there's going to be some kind of hosting cost. But aside from that, a huge, tremendous resource. And, and uh, you know, even if you don't want to use the app as is, it's obviously a great um, starting point for your learning. Right. You know, if there's something similar that you want to build, functionality-wise against one of these apps, it's a, it's a huge learning resource. Yeah, but it's interesting to me that you're building stuff in Office 365, but it's also going to need some Azure beh- uh, behind it as well. Like, that is a tricky combination. Just, you know... Stuff's got to run somewhere. If I'm a dad... Like, you've got to talk to IT. 
right? Because yep. you may or may not be able to allocate those resources. Like you, it's not a small thing to just go, oh, I can whip this little thing together and it'll run in Office 365. Well, y- yes and no. I mean, absolutely. Look, you know, if, if you're in the Microsoft world, you're heavily invested there. Azure is probably not a stranger to you sure. at this point in time. Um, you know, so I think it's a reasonable, reasonably fair assumption to make. But at the same token, remember, these are simply, um, you know, t- uh, free open source apps that you can download and customize as, as you want. Um, you know, as we mentioned earlier, for example, a, a tab is just a uh, just a web app. Mm-hmm. Now, for production, it should be hosted on. Well, it, it needs to be hosted for production on an HTTP, HTTPS endpoint. You know, so you can't run these on your you know on a, on a local HTTP insert single down here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it has to be a little bit more robustly hosted. But you know, if you've if you want to download one of these samples and create a version of it in Python and host it on your AWS infrastructure, for example, you uh, totally totally uh, you know uh, able to do such a thing you know being microsoft being microsoft it makes sense that they're uh, you know that they're azure based but uh, but they, you know you can certainly modify that as necessary could you host it in your excel spreadsheet um <laughs> there, there are many things that you can do that that one wouldn't necessarily suggest <laughs> you know, you know they you always, that classic answer it depends yeah, yeah. sometimes it's a flat out <laughs> no <laughs> you can and you shouldn't mm. <laughs> I, exactly i'm just reminded of all the customer requests that i've had that include can I? Can we do this in my Excel spreadsheet? Yeah, you know, <laughs> absolutely. Many- Listen, I've had those SharePoints that turn off once a week yeah. because somebody <laughs> unplugs it to you know to plug in the vacuum yeah. cleaner. We've had those real world situations. <laughs> oh no, had, I, I was responsible for an Excel installation on a server. Wow, and, you know, because it was there were certain things they were doing where it's like we're going to have to do this in Excel, aren't we? Yeah, and then you probably ran into the apartment threading problem. Yeah. No, and wrote, ASP. wrote the little app that went mm-hmm. through and killed mm-hmm. the orphan ver- copies of Excel still running. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, We've all been there. All that horror. <laughs> we, we've not really talked about power apps on .NET Rocks. We talk about them occasionally on right. Azure. We have it. And certainly my advice as a sort of senior IT guy has been, listen, power apps are coming. Don't make fun of them. Don't ignore them. They're going to make a difference in your organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, is be- really what I was saying. What's your been your experience with them, Hilton? Well, you know, if I even take a step back from that, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, we're talking about effectively, we're talking about customizing teams. You know, if we kind of circle back to, mm-hmm. to where we started, we're talking about extending it for some practical purpose to enhance your, you know, your communication, your collaboration, your productivity, something like that. Now, in order to get that additional capability, you, the, the first place to start really isn't, you know, should we build it? It's, it's see what's available there. Right. You know, so there's a tremendous app store in teams. You know, I start building apps for teams sort of midway through 2019, I think there were a little over 100 apps in the store. They're now comfortably north of 830, you know, just in the last kind of year and a wow. half or so. Mm-hmm. So, the, 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 the store has absolutely exploded. Um, you know, there are <laughs> – the store application process is an interesting thing. If we've got some time, we can talk about, you know, the process of actually putting an app in the store and going through that and, and so on. Um, we've, got, we've got a couple of apps in the team store at the moment, so we're certainly familiar with that with that process. Um, but, um, you know, the, the quality bar is higher. I would say we, we had one of our apps incidentally get rejected because – we went through the testing, the verification. Microsoft was absolutely happy with the, um, you know, the functionality of the app. We got right to the end and they decided that, uh, one of our apps, which in fairness was just a simple fun thing we were kind of just giving away anyway, but they decided there wasn't sufficient business value to have that app in the store, which is a very interesting reason to reject yeah, so an it app. It wasn't, I mean, it didn't work. It, well, you know, or, or was unsafe in any way. 
insufficient value. That's a yeah, tough now you, judgment. Now you com- compare that with, you know, the numerous fart apps that exist in the, yeah. uh, the consumer <laughs> space. You know? oh, boy. It's a very but, different world. But the value proposition is so clear and vaguely <laughs> noisy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. We're all waiting for I mean, the only reason I want a Tesla is… Nine. Let's try that one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is actually absolutely. a fart app. So I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's the only reason I want a Tesla is for the fuck. Yeah. It sounds like a Falcon <laughs> 9 taking off. It's uh, There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, if we come back to the the, the sort of the extensibility version, you know, when I, when I talk about apps, essentially, you know, before you build it, look what already exists, I guess, mm-hmm. is, is what I'm saying totally. in a nutshell in this, you know, in the, in this app store. But if the, if the functionality doesn't exist there, you know, that's when you're looking at how can we build this ourselves. Now, you can use native development approaches, you know, so you can fire up your Visual Studio and build, you know, XYZ. Um, but, um, but Power Apps is obviously a key part of that. In fact, in Teams... The team space, we, we would even go for a step further than that. So certainly I can build a power app. There's actually a power apps app in the team store, one, one that's built by Microsoft. And the, the idea there is it's a, it's like a central dashboard in teams, if you like, of all the power apps you've got access to and, and that you'd want, um, you know, you'd want to interact with. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense just because they, this is one of those things that pl- proliferates. Exactly, exactly. But I mean, I can also just take a, I don't know if this is even a valid term, but a, a vanilla power app that I've built, if you like, uh. <laughs> um, and pin that in its, in its native form, so to speak, and pin that into a tab in Teams. So one of those, um, I think it's, I can't remember if it's here or somewhere else, but these app templates that we were talking about, for example, some of them are pure code and some of them are power app templates. And one of them was like an incident response, um, kind of, you know, it was around the time you know, when we were deep in COVID and whatnot, it was, you know, it's sort of a COVID response tool for your company. You know, a lot of companies were putting like attendance registers together of who's allowed in the office, you know, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those would, you know, would take the form of power apps that would be embedded in, you know, in a ref- respective channel somewhere in Teams, something along those lines. But interesting, I mean, we talk about power apps. Remember, power apps um, is part of something greater called the power family. Um, you know, Flow got renamed, as you know, to, you know, Power Automate and we had Power BI. So now we have all of these things in the, in the family. But there's a fourth, uh, stepchild, if you like. Um, I mean, it's a fully fledged member. It's just not so well known or, or well mentioned, but there is a fourth member of that family, which is something called Power Virtual Agents. Now that is effectively in the way that Power Apps is a is a like low code no code kind of way to build a you know a form of some sort. Right. Power Virtual Agents is a bot building no code low code bot building capability as part of that Power family. So you could, for example, be doing a drag and drop bot inside of the Microsoft ecosystem to plug into you know Teams and whatever else you might want to plug that bot into. Mm. But certainly Teams being a you know front and center kind of a, a an experience or a target. So so, I mean, this to me strikes me as the low code way to do the bot framework. I get there's a real question then is mm-hmm. under the hood, is this still the bot framework? Like I could. Yes, absolutely. So, absolutely. And and this, uh, I've been making this point over and over again with these domain experts that start getting into power platform and creating things of value that we as devs may need to take over to some degree, like have to do extensibility to it. It's like, we really like what 
He's this been built here, but it needs to also do this and this, and that's kind of out of sure. scope for Power Platform. Yeah, absolutely. So interestingly, the Power Virtual Agents under the cover use something called the Bot Composer, mm. which is another product that you know. So a lot of these things are optional. You don't need to know all of these things, but you know, in terms of understanding the space, it's useful to know what exists. The um, Bot Composer is the drag and drop tool. If, if you're familiar with Power uh, uh, Automate and and its relationship with Logic Apps, it's a similar kind of capability or uh, metaphor, if you like. The the power virtual agents are u- built using this designer called the Bot Composer, but you can host and and um, and build your apps in a kind of a native hosted version of Bot Composer if you wanted to enable your users to 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 do something similar outside of the power virtual agents world, mm-hmm. which has some costs associated and so on. You know, which, which you, might you know not it's not a wonder that people are confused, man. Like we've now described <laughs> three totally different ways to build bots. Yeah. Well, that's just in the Microsoft. And that's world. just in you the know, Microsoft. There's a, bunch of other bot, uh, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of other bot building technologies yeah. as well. Actually, I I find that it's bot craziness out there. I mean, and it was ever since you know bots first came on the scene. Mm-hmm. It, everybody wants to build a bot for what? I don't know, but but you know, like we, we were talking with Phil Hack, and sure. that stuff made real sense to me. Yeah, you know, if, totally right. I mean, using a bot just to do stuff that. You would normally have to use UI for just makes sense. Well, in, in in some ways it does, but you know, to be honest, something I struggled with for a long time was understanding that interaction. You know, clicking. I mean, let's go back to a, a long way. Really, is the history show. Let's go back to you know the the, the great eighties. You know, Cobra Kai and yeah. <laughs> Karate Kid and whatnot. But there was a reason we went to the WIMP interface away from the command line because it was far more productive to just click two radio buttons right. and, a, and a you know and a save button than to type everything. So when we when I first got sort of exposed to the idea of bots, it's, it, it sort of rubbed me the wrong way for exactly that reason. The interaction, you know, I would like to order yeah. a oh, hang on, I need to, you know, spell pizza correctly. But also back in the 80s, command line apps were pretty dismal in terms of, you know, not being able to understand everything. And, and PowerShell sort of, you know, flipped that on its head and said, hey, we could do a whole bunch of stuff in here. I think that's when people really got into back into command line as being something very powerful. It's the parsing, isn't it? Could it could certainly be productive, but it's not something I would expose to every user in my yeah. organization. Let's, let's maybe say it that way. And, and then the other thing is that that interaction of, you know, message response, message response, message response can, can be quite, um, quite a bit slower yeah. and a lot more error plan, error prone. Think about, you know, your WhatsApp or whatever you're using and, and, you know, all of the, the fun that in, and hilarity that ensues with the autocorrect. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that becomes the interesting thing. So what that does actually is it brings us to another interesting aspect to bots in particular, which is something called adaptive cards. I don't recall that it's something that, you know, that's come up on the show, but <laughs> no. it's, it's again a separate technology, but a key, certainly for me, a key key piece in, in the bot world. Effectively, what adaptive cards are, are they small, composed, contained UIs that you could use in various places? So, the little toasts in, in Windows 10, um, you know, in the, the, the some of the new capabilities there where there's sort of micro UIs and whatever, those are built using this adapt- adaptive cards technology. Mm-hmm. If you've ever received a, um, a, a card in, in an email, for example, where you can actually interact with certain capabilities in the email, um, that's using adaptive cards. And there are a couple of other places where they surface. The bot framework is one of those. And then, you know, as a follow-on from that, bots and teams are, are a mechanism for that yeah. as well. Now, when I saw that, that's where bots began 
became very exciting for me because what it meant was that there are places where a text-based interaction is interesting, but there are places where you know, I don't want to give the user an entire immersive app, but I just want a little bit of input in an easily controlled, simple micro manner. You know, three drop downs, a text box and a button kind of thing. Um, so adaptive cards give you that. And that's, uh, for me, a, a huge piece of the picture that, that, uh, you know, makes the interaction a lot, a lot more feasible. Yeah. It's, it looks like encapsulation by div tag. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, the re- well, it's interesting. The rendering behind the scenes is, uh, you know, uh, down to the client. So how Teams renders an adaptive card mm-hmm. versus, you know, some other host is is really the, the, that's one of the nice things is that all of that is is abstracted away from me. Right. I just say I want a text box. You know, it's a little bit like WPF mm-hmm. in, in that way. WPF um, and you effectively just yeah, exactly. You're basically just um, you know marking up your UI and and it gives you that kind of separation of of, of code and and design in, in some ways and you can head over to adaptive cards that io they've got a great designer and a sample gallery and all kinds of all kinds of things there wow no i've got so much to chew on here of different approaches to to creating Mm -hmm. extensibility Mm -hmm. and and like and you ended with adaptive cards it's like boy there's an hour here easy of just absolutely digging into how do i declaratively describe a a, uh, an interface i want and then it renders to based on the device that it goes to totally and i mean the adaptive cards is a community on its own you know they have their own monthly community call and and whatnot so um it's a whole thing most Um, most important thing i learned from this discussion was that uh teams is not skype for business (laughs) <laughs> thank god you know if that's all we did we've succeeded uh, yeah that's it that's the one nugget you take away you're golden yeah well and it's so yeah. it's just so much more like if you if you're still putting it in the can of this is my new voip interface yeah you're missing out on a lot yep yeah totally but at the same token you can also build voip apps that will participate in your meetings and um you know, take take notes in the meetings or do any kind of voice interaction inside of a meeting. So, Hilton, what's next for you? So, um, I mean, you mentioned up front that, um, you know, I've, I've started this this company, Chit Chatter. I'm the founder of, of uh, an app building or a company building apps for, for, for the team store. And that's been, uh, you know, a big focus of, of my life the last year or so. Right. So, having a great, uh, great time there. Um, we've got all kinds of different apps. I'd love people, obviously, to check them out. Um, and aside from that, just, uh, you know, blogging, speaking, hopefully got a couple of conferences remotely coming up in the near future. Yeah. Um, and I spend a lot of time on, on Stack Overflow, as we mentioned, too. So, if, if if Teams is something you want to get into, that's Microsoft's primary go-to location. If you get stuck with anything, um, and chances are I'll probably see you on there. So awesome. we'll, meet, we'll meet somewhere online if this is a topic that's interesting for someone. Oh, hey, so that does actually remind me of, of one thing. Uh, you guys will remember that I used to be a podcaster as well and had a SharePoint podcast back in the days. I've been itching to get back into the podcasting world. Um, so I wanted to know if uh, if the in- uh, listeners found this show interesting and would like to hear more about uh, me talking about teams and, and interviewing guests and whatnot. Um, if they'd reach out, they can get me on uh, Hilton at Gisner.com or LinkedIn or any of those kind of places. Um, and I'd love to hear if, if people would uh, find that kind of show worthwhile. Other than that, I just want to say thanks again for having me on. It really was a great uh, pleasure to be on the show. Fantastic. Well, Hilton, it's been great catching up with you, and good stuff here. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, 
and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a, a